This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be What is work-life balance to you? I don't like the term. Okay, good. I call it work-life integration. There's no balance, really. And it's all about making sure that when you do a lot of work, when you meet a deadline, when you ship a product, you take time to refuel. Okay, what does a productive day look like to you? A productive day is a day when I'm full of joy about what I'm doing. Whatever the challenges, I'm recharged enough, I can handle them with a sense of gratitude that I'm doing something I love. What should you cut out of your life to be more productive and happy? Uh, watching Netflix. Okay. What gives you energy? Sleep, my children, hiking, music. What tires you out? Sleep deprivation <laughs> and um, toxic people. What is work-life balance? Uh, it's a politically correct conversation in today's environment that uses outside forces to try to impose their will on humans so that they dwell on something that that actually doesn't mean anything. Okay, we'll get to that more later, I guess. Okay. Um, What does a productive day look like to you? Uh, Moving the ball down the field, either in a black and white or gray way. What do you need to cut out of your life to be productive? Anybody's opinion on what I'm doing. Like, I think I'm massively productive because I'm never slow because I don't care what other people say. Okay, what gives you energy? Um, Gratitude. What tires you out? Negativity and cynicism. Is snoozing, when you push the thing on the thing, on the alarm, is snoozing for losers? No, I love snoozing. Really? Yeah, I like snoozing. I usually set my alarm somewhere about 15 to 30 minutes before I really have to, Mm -hmm. and if I wake up and it's good, and I feel okay, I just steal it back, and if it's not, I'll snooze a little bit. So it depends on your strategic snoozing strategy. Most adults spend 10 hours a day or more consuming electronic media. If we're on our smartphones and devices all the time, does that make us more productive? Here's what Ariana and Gary have to say. All right, let's change topics radically now, okay? I think you're addicted to your phone. Do you think you're addicted to your phone? You're on your phone a lot. Am I addicted to my phone? I'm addicted to human interaction, which I think the phone gives me Uh, a version of. But do you think maybe that the reason why you don't own the Jets yet is because you're spending a lot of time interacting, lots and lots of time as opposed to working on a big strategic plan where if you sat with a pad of paper, maybe you'd be better served at moments. I think it's a super smart observation other than I don't think that I could make the money to buy the Jets any other way than I'm doing it now. So for me, I don't view it that way because I think I'm putting myself in the best position to succeed. I am starting to think that I should use my phone less. And I think it's possible that we're going to look back in 10 years and say we would have been better served not doing it. I couldn't disagree with you more. Okay. Uh, My point being that I think we're, we're demonizing technology, we're underestimating evolution of the human race, and that it's super cute that ideological people are imposing these wills with no substantial data of any sort or kind, uh, and I'm, I'm uh, in disagreement. The most important thing I do before I go to bed is I pick a time, normally half an hour before I'm gonna turn off the lights, I turn off my phone and gently escort it out of my bedroom. Right, and then do you read before you go to bed, or what do you do for that 20 minutes of non-electronics? Then I have a bath. 
okay. or a shower, water, washing away the day. And then I read something that has nothing to do with work or Donald Trump or the media, uh, poetry, history, novels. And I think that in the moments of calm, when you're not jacked into your device, when you're walking along a beach or you're outside in the fall, that's when the possibilities of change come to your mind, I think. Absolutely, because you're less likely to just assume that the treadmill of your life is all there is. Coming up, should you always lead by example? Does everybody there work as hard as you? Nobody should. Nobody should. The problem is not people working hard. The problem is people building a kind of cumulative uh, stress deposit. Yes, uh-huh. Welcome back. As we continue our exploration of work-life balance, our CEOs tell us about the example they try to set for their employees. In being the leader of the company, how much of it is leading by example in terms of these balances that we've talked about today, and how much of it is trying to be more prescriptive or an educator in terms of these things? I think it's both, and I think it's building a certain culture where, for example, we're not saying working at Thrive means you're working from nine to five. Yeah. What we're saying is that if you're shipping a product, if you're meeting a deadline, and you're working harder than usual, take time to refuel. We take it Thrive Day. We call them Thrive Days. Yes. The problem is not people working hard. The problem is people building a kind of deficit, a kind of cumulative uh, stress deposit. Yes, uh-huh. We don't need to do that. How often do you check in with the office when you're on vacation? Uh, I don't vacation that much when it, there's normal office. There's nothing worse for me yeah. than the world is working and I'm not. You have a founder-centric culture, I have a founder-centric culture, it's yes. unavoidable, especially for you who are so visible, right? Do, uh, does everybody there work as hard as you? I mean, not, that's nobody, no one sh nobody should. Nobody should. Not everyone wants to be a little Gary Vee at, at VaynerMedia. I would actually argue a lot of people really, really desperately don't want to. Okay, why? I have an incredible relationship with my company. I'm very happy about it. But I've given no in nuance to them about they have to hustle or this and that. They know where I stand. How do you work at a company where, where the motto and the credo is about hustling and crushing it and not everybody? They know that I deploy empathy and that I have no interest in doing anything other than exaggerating their strengths. And if they're a creative mind that needs quiet, or if they're somebody who needs nine to right. five, I want them to be the best version of that. I don't judge or try to impose. I try to reverse engineer and put players in positions to succeed. Our most popular pathway, broken down into micro steps, is called unplug and recharge. Yes. Uh, helping people, helping companies set boundaries to our use of technology, including a vacation, tool that we have called Thrive Away. Mm -hmm. So next time you're on vacation, yeah. uh, you can use Thrive Away, and if I email you, I'll get an email back, John is on vacation until next time, this is urgent, contact so-and-so, yes. somebody you have assigned. If it is not, email him again after January 4th, yes. when he's back, this email will be deleted. Well, I like that. I remember you used to do that, the deleted email message. It's actually a great yeah, thing. Yeah, because you get a clean slate when you come Yes, back. and also because when was the last time you had zero emails in your inbox? Never. <laughs> uh, how often do you check in with the office on vacation? I check in with the office um, two, three times a day, but most of the time I go in thrive mode. Okay. How much vacation should a productive worker take? There isn't any particular set time. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a couple of weeks. The key is what do you do on vacation? If you are perpetually 
um, wired and connected while juggling time with your family, it can actually be more stressful than non-vacation. Coming up, Gary and Ariana tell us how being immigrants has shaped their respective work ethics. Being a country of immigrants makes America a very empathetic country. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we lose when we are burnt out and stressed is empathy. Mm -hmm. Welcome back to The Point. Born in Belarus, Gary Vaynerchuk came to the U.S. at the age of three. Ariana Huffington was born in Greece and moved to the U.S. in her 30s, becoming a citizen at the age of 40. Here's what each of them had to say about how being an immigrant colors their worldview and their work ethic. Look, I grew up with not a lot of stuff in rural Jersey. I went to a, a college that was 95% minority financial aid. I grew up awfully humble in a lot of ways. And the reality is, is that I know a lot of people who haven't made it mm -hmm. by the standards of how much money do you make who are ridiculously happy. Then I enter this whole Silicon Valley high net worth world mm -hmm. and I know tons of people with a lot of money who are unbelievably miserable. Mm -hmm. So you have this dichotomy. People would think that you talk about controversial stuff. But you, know, you don't really comment that much on politics or things like that. I mean, you've talked quite a bit about being an immigrant coming from Belarus when you were a toddler, but yet I don't see you out there actively on Twitter talking about dreamers and stuff like that. Yes. And for a guy that's so outspoken, why is that? It's just awfully hard. It's awfully hard to have this conversation. It would consume me forever to clarify every nuance on every political point of view I have. If I feel that, that our president is pandering to get reelected and thinks that he's going against his shoes to get reelected, I don't get happy about that that's what every president does all the time. I think Donald Trump does everything to get reelected. It's the game he's in right now. And so I have plenty of my own opinions. I just know that I can't do that on social media. Yeah, you're an immigrant? Yeah, you may have noticed that I have a slight accent. And uh, the line from Hamilton, um, you know, immigrants, we get the job done. Like that, that sort of has <laughs> been um, the rallying cry, I think, for those that want us to have a more open society. Uh, here in the United States. What does the immigrant see about the culture of thrive and the culture of contribution, the culture of work? What does the immigrant in the United States see so clearly in that regard, do you think? I would say that, um, first of all, being a country of immigrants um, makes America a very empathetic country. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we lose when we are burnt out and stressed is empathy. Mm -hmm. One of the things that um, decline, so it's not developed among children who are hooked to their devices, yes. is empathy. Mm -hmm. So empathy is um, one of the most important qualities of a civilized nation. And I think right now we need it more than ever as we're going through incredible changes, which are only going to accelerate with AI and machine learning. Yes. And increasingly, as more and more uh, jobs are going to be handed over to machines, what we're going to value more than anything is creativity, the ability to collaborate, to build teams, to be empathetic. So these soft virtues, these soft skills are going to be more important than ever. Coming up, does living in a constantly connected world lead to burnout? Our CEOs sound off. People that talk about burning out don't blindly love what they do. I blindly love what I do. When we take time, as they say on aeroplanes, to yes. put our own oxygen mask first, mm -hmm. we are going to be more effective at whatever it is we want to do.
Welcome back to The Point. You can't be successful without a lot of hard work, but can you work hard without burning out? Here's what Ariana and Gary have to say. Let me ask you to go back in a time machine a little bit. With Huffington Post, you built a remarkably successful business that continues on today as a remarkably successful media company. And the story you tell is about how passing out from exhaustion at Huffington Post is what inspired you to start this company. Could you have done the Huffington Post business with the Thrive philosophy, and how would things have been different had you done that? Absolutely. In fact, uh, my collapse from exhaustion happened only two years into building the Huffington Post. And all our big success, you know, our international expansion, winning a Pulitzer, etc., happened long after that. The best decisions are made uh, were decisions are made after I had changed the way I worked and lived. And I would say categorically that when we take time, as they say on aeroplanes, to yes. put our own oxygen mask first, mm -hmm. we are going to be more effective at whatever it is we want to do, whether this is our first job or whether we are juggling multiple demands on our time mm -hmm. at the top of the world. But as I, as I do my travels throughout the country, I am continually encountering low performance cultures, cultures of bureaucracy, ones of where people say we can't get anything done, um, a sense of apathy, uh, malaise. Is there a lot of companies that need the opposite of Thrive? They need more of a jolt. They don't need to sleep more. They need to get going a little more. No, I think actually what's happening is that this stress and burnout has led to the lowest engagement among workers. Okay. I mean, the latest Gallup poll that shows that only 13% of workers worldwide are really engaged in their jobs. That's not um, a sign of anything except exhaustion, burnout, stress. And it's not just because of work. That's really what is the new thing we're discovering. You may have perfect work policies. Yes. If your employees go home and spend their nights playing Candy Crush or watching Netflix, binging on the latest show or, or getting lost on Instagram or Facebook, they're going to wake up exhausted, not because of your bad workplace policies, yes but because of our growing addiction to our devices and to social media. And the goal is to end the stress and burnout epidemic, which is exploding everywhere around the world. Mm -hmm. And the first step is to change our beliefs. At the moment, we're all living under the delusion that in order to succeed, we have to be always on, and burnout is the price of success. Mm -hmm. It is actually completely untrue. Taking time to get enough sleep, to recharge, to take breaks, to reconnect with yourself would make you more successful because success is really about big ideas. It's about creativity. Why did you decide to go deep on working out and then make it so much part of what you do publicly and what you tell people about publicly? I was 38 and a half years old. I wasn't eating well, I wasn't exercising. I was sleeping. Mm -hmm. Ironically, which would have been the part I think most people thought I wasn't doing. I realized, oh crap, the reason I'm not good at physical fitness, but I'm good at business, is because I'm accountable to somebody else in mm -hmm. business. My employees, my audience, my customer. Physical fitness is, I'm accountable to myself. I'm not competitive with myself. I'm too big of a fan of myself. I really need it. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't. So I don't. that's when you hired the first trainer who yes. kind of followed you around 24 seven. I figured out, crap, I need to be accountable to somebody. Let me hire somebody full time who travels with me and they'll babysit me and smother me but most of all, I have to tell them my weight every day and they have to look at it yep. and it worked. But this is a little bit of a contradiction. You Please. began by saying that 
You don't want people's opinions yes. on you and judgments of you. And Correct. yet you're saying to get physically fit, you needed a third party's judgment that of you. That is exactly right. So that's a contradiction. I don't know if you've heard the headline, I'm a walking contradiction. Okay. How do you avoid or think about burnout for yourself personally? And then how do you think about it for others in your company? Burnout. Um, you know, I think the key for me, for employees and the people around me is to create a culture that makes people feel safe to talk about it. I think VaynerMedia is super interesting. I think there's a, t- out of the 800 people, God, 90% have great work-life balance. People, like, there's people that want to aspire and show me, yeah. you know, but, like, it's sneaky, man. Like, I, like, I actually think people could hustle a little more at Vayner. Like, we I have made that, it cozy. I think that at Cheddar, too. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think we've made it cozy. And so I don't stress that because I think that we have too much data that shows on our retention numbers, on our communication, and our views, that there's always people that are gonna work themselves up into a frenzy, and we invest quite a bit on HR yep. and all that. As far as me, I'm in control. I, I, that doesn't even cross my mind. Here's why, I'm fully in control. Yeah. If you complain, Let's start with the key to everything here. It's about complaining. Because if you're complaining, that means you're upset. So my question to you is, have you decided to dwell for the rest of your life or are you gonna do something about it? And guess what, your grandfather couldn't do what you could do. You could literally start a slime account on Instagram and make $687,000 a year. If you make $41,000 a year and and you love your life and you don't complain, you've won. Yeah. Like the second I feel burnt out, then I'll stay home that day. Like mm-hmm. it, doesn't even, it doesn't even cross my, people that talk about burning out don't blindly love what they do. I blindly love what I do. Hey podcast listeners, uh, big ups. I'm putting on my Gary Vaynerchuk CEO of Vayner Media hat right now, not the Gary V that all of you love so much, or at least are curious of, or actually are starting to hate. I have no idea how you feel, but I love you. Nonetheless, uh, we're a year into it, uh, not even really, but one of the most exciting things that Vayner Media sells, besides the million dollar scopes for the biggest brands in the world, is this concept of four Ds. Do I have a URL for this as I'm doing this? Is it, can, can you figure it out while I'm yapping? D-Rock. Anyway, 4Ds, Daily Digital Deep Dive, a consulting product from VaynerMedia that has crushed uh, for us and has had a huge impact. I just came back from Agent 2021. I know this is a post uh, announcement for the podcast, but I'm gonna run this for a while. So that was in January if you're listening in May, uh, but I know it's February right now. Nonetheless, um, uh, a $10,000 immersion day where you come in and you learn from our creative team, our media team, our consulting strategy team, like just a complete get in here, kind of like Disney and Zappos does, have your company pay for a $10,000 consulting strategy day here in New York City. We're also now doing it in London. Details are on VaynerMedia's site, vaynermedia.com slash 4Ds slash services slash 4Ds. Can you create a Gary V's? Create a Gary V for me. Hold on, everyone. Stick with me here. DRock's going. If not, I'm going to create a Gary V. Great. VaynerMedia.com slash 4DS, right? 
VaynerMedia.com slash 4DS, the 4Ds, the daily digital deep dive. It is changing small and medium-sized businesses' worlds. Go on the website to get the dates or go to Gary Vaynerchuk's website, GaryVaynerchuk.com, and go to events and see it there. I'm in there for an hour doing kind of my one-on-one Q&A, personal fix your business, grow your business, expand your business session. It is exploded. I am now completely confident in this product. At first, I was like, oh, 10,000, can we make it worth it? Hearing the ridiculous stories of, I came to your 40s and was doing 280,000, now we're doing 2.2 million. To be very frank, I'm thinking about raising the price. I wanna make sure the podcast world knows about it. VaynerMedia.com slash 4DS or GaryVaynerchuk.com, hit the events tab. Come and check out the 4Ds. I'd love to see you in New York or London. Go see the dates, sign up. This will change your business. See ya.